The reading is from Psalm 139, and you can find it on page 628 of the Church Bibles. You have searched me, O Lord, and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you, Lord, know it completely. You hem me in behind and before, and you lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me, your right hand will hold me fast. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me and the light become night around me, even the darkness will not be dark to you. The night will shine like the day, for darkness is as light to you. For you created my inmost being, You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. How precious to me are your thoughts, God. How vast is the sum of them. Were I to count them, they would outnumber the grains of sand. When I awake, I'm still with you. Great, thank you, Ollie. You can have that. There you go. And you can have that. That's okay. Good morning, everybody. Hello, my name's Afi. Um, So I'm coming to speak um, on why I am a Christian. It's uh, part of our current series. And I'm... I don't know whether over the weeks, if you've been here, um, whether that question has occurred to you. Why, you know, why am I a Christian? Um, and if it has, whether or not you've had a vague idea, whether or not it's been something that's clear and popped into your mind, or whether it's been more of a, um, I'm not entirely sure. Maybe you're here this morning and you're not a Christian, and actually you have a very clear idea of why you're not a Christian. Um, And that's great. We're really welcome here and we're really pleased that you're here and part of this morning with us. So wherever you're at, uh, with faith, with Christianity, with God, um, I'm really pleased that you're here to join us this morning. So I was recently down in Devon with my family and because it was the first time all of the recent babies uh, were together, we decided to have a little of a mini photo shoot Um, and it was actually a lot of fun and I've got a photo to share with you. That's all of us sitting there. And uh, what makes me really laugh about this was how much effort it took to look like a nice, relaxed, happy family who just happened to be sitting on the sofa laughing as a photographer walked by and took a photo. I mean, we, we discussed the outfits, we discussed what the babies were going to wear, we tidied the room. Um, I mean, it took a lot of effort to look like a nice, relaxed, normal family. And what you can't tell from this particular picture, if you click onto the next slide, Elaine, for me, um, is the fact that uh, baby Bethany had already thrown up 
three times, um, that Lucy, the, my little toddler niece, uh, really, really didn't want any more photos taken, thank you very much, and was prone to just burst into tears all of a sudden. Um, and the fact that my mother had already snapped at my dad several times that morning. Um, but a lot of effort went into making this picture look great. And actually, that's okay for a picture, isn't it? We don't really want a picture of my dad reading the Screwfix magazine while my brother's on the laptop um, and baby Lucy's, you know, picking her nose. I mean, that, that wouldn't look a great family photo. <laughs> but when it comes to faith, when it comes to um, our community, sometimes trying to get that kind of picture-perfect look um, can actually be more of a hinder than it can be um, a help. And sometimes it doesn't help our relationships with others if we're always trying to be picture perfect. Now, there is always a time for boundaries and there's always a time for saying, I'm fine, thank you very much, to somebody you don't want to spill your guts to. Um, But I think we are slightly more in danger um, of not sharing, honestly, kind of where we're at and where life is at. So I'm here this morning to share a bit of my story, a bit of my experience. Um, And when it comes to the question, you know, why am I a Christian? Um, I don't really have one answer as such. I kind of I kind of have a series of kind of building blocks that I've built my faith on. And in fact, I kind of have one short answer and I have a long answer and I have a very 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 long answer with several other questions thrown in that if you ever want to chat over coffee, we could really get into it. Um, but this morning we're going to go to start with on the short answer. So my short answer is I'm a Christian because God is real and I've met him. So I was taken to church as a child by my mother because uh, we were British and it was the 80s <laughs> and that's what you did. Um, and the first real encounter that I had with God was in fact on a beach in Exmouth. My family had gone uh, down to holiday and that year, I'm sure not by coincidence, um, there was a group called the United Beach Mission who had come and they'd spent all of August um, playing games and activities, spreading the gospel, telling people about Jesus. Um, And I spent the whole week with them. Um, And at the end of the week, one of the team prayed with me um, and then bless this woman, she continued to send me uh, daily Bible notes um, for the next three or four months um, after this holiday. I can't even remember her name because I was only about eight years old. Um, but that woman just amazingly um, started off my, my, my journey of faith in a real practical way. So it was there that I first knew that I knew that I knew that God was real. I can't necessarily give you a specific reason why other than it was an encounter with God. I just knew that I knew that I knew. Um, And so from that very young age, that's kind of where I started with faith. And it it made sense to me, it kind of flowed logically, that if God was real, then what he said was real. The Bible was real. Jesus was real. Jesus had really lived. Jesus had really performed miracles. Jesus had really died. Jesus really had come back to life. Jesus really had forgiven all of the sins, all the things that I'd done wrong. Jesus was really inviting me on this adventure of of life and faith. And all I had to do was say, yeah, okay, I'm in. So that's my short answer. (laughs) It's not particularly, you know, whizzy and bells, but I'm a Christian because God is real. And if you're happy with that, then you're very welcome to go home early this morning. Thank you very much for coming. See you later.
But that's only really the start of my story. Um, and I think it was a fairly strong start, but uh, life is never quite as simple as you think it's going to be when you're eight years old on a beach in Exmouth. Now, to be honest, not a lot changed for me from the ages of kind of seven to 12. My mum continued to take me along to church for a few more years until we stopped going. I felt a bit more guilty when I did stuff wrong, um, but I didn't suddenly become this mini evangelist. I didn't lead my middle school in revival. I didn't start seeing images of the Virgin Mary and pieces of toast. You know, nothing really amazing like that happened to me. It wasn't actually until kind of later on, my teenage years, um, when, again, I'm sure not by coincidence, I found myself friends with Christians. My best friend, it turned out, um, had links to All Saints, uh, Laylam, and um, we decided to start going along to the youth group there. And it was actually at that point that my faith really started to come alive. I knew that God was real, but this was the time in which it started to be, okay, so what? We had some wonderful, wonderful youth leaders there who I'm sure were praying for us tirelessly. Tirelessly? A lot. Praying for us a lot. Um, They debated with us and they talked with us and they took us to events and weekends away. Um, They gave us opportunities. I had amazing experiences of God being involved in worship. Um, It was on a weekend away that I had my first kind of picture from God that I felt God had given me. Um, It was the first time I'd heard people speaking in tongues. When you're not from a particularly church background and you first hear that, it is freaky. Um, The first time that I then myself prayed in tongues, it was it was just an amazing time where I felt really on fire for God. And I, um, I loved it. I was enjoying it. It was a, an amazing time in my life. My parents, however, were freaked out. <laughs> I would come home like all excited and like on the weekend away we did this and we did this. And I distinctly remember my mum saying to me um, on the way, she picked me up from a weekend away, just saying, I'm a little bit worried that maybe, you know, slightly being brainwashed I'm a bit worried about that but but it's better than hanging out on street corners so you know let's stay with it (laughs) thanks mum cheers Um, my parents bless them were very much church is all about a Sunday morning thank you very much and uh, it has no need to bleed into the rest of your life thank you Um, I mean you should have seen their faces when I told them I was going to be a church youth worker they just were like what what are you doing But those times really left me with some excellent foundations of faith. Um, It left me with some great memories. um, And it also left me with some amazing lifelong friends who actually, some of them are um, still here, part of St. Saviour's here this morning. Um, I don't think any of them are here this morning, but um, Sarah Townsend, then now Ansel, uh, Tom Ansel, Nadine Edwards, John Robinson, Kirsty Robinson, they all know me from back in our teenage days. Um, I do have some embarrassing photos of them. Um, but seeing as they do too, I decided I wasn't going to share them. So uh, it's a kind of mutually assured destruction type agreement. So uh, I won't be sharing any of those. Um, but it was at that point in my kind of faith journey that I built this kind of next layer, this next kind of block in my faith tower. It was through these people, through God's leading, um, that I learned that not only was God real, but that he knew me and that he loved me. I wasn't just this kind of nameless person, this person that he was, you know, it was his job to love, so he kind of had to, but that he 100% knew who I was. He could pick me out of a crowd. 
And that's what I love about the, the psalm that we had read to us. Um, psalm, uh, verses 1 to 3 in Psalm 139 says, You have searched me, Lord, and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. It was one thing to think, gosh, the God of the whole universe exists. Wow. And then the God of the whole universe knows me. But he didn't know me in that kind of way, you know the weird kid from school that you then avoid as you go around Tesco's. I know you've all done it. You kind of go, it's them, let's go this way. And if you haven't, it might be that you're the weird kid. I'm just saying, just saying. Um, but he didn't. He didn't just know me in a kind of way he had to. Like, he knew me and he loved me. He thought I was brilliant. I wasn't just some, you know, lumbered mistake. He loved me completely. He knew me. He wanted me as part of his family. In fact, he had expected me. I wasn't uh, something that had just occurred out of nowhere. He knew I was coming. And for me and my family, there's a bit of a running joke. Um, I arrived when my sister was pretty much exactly 18 months old. And if you ever asked my mother, she would say, I was a lovely surprise, Um, which doesn't give you a lot of faith that I was planned, does it really? Um, But I learned that actually I wasn't a surprise to God. I wasn't a mistake to God. Um, He knew me. He planned me. He had plans for me. Psalm 139, uh, verses 13 to 16 says, For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. I was planned by God and he had plans for me. And the time in my life where this became really clear was when I just graduated from university. I'd done a degree in biomedical sciences, as you do, and I'd really enjoyed it, but I didn't want to do anything with it. And um, Andy Burns from a charity called East to West um, got in contact with me. They're a fairly local charity, and I'd been a young person and a young leader as part of the, um, the charity before I'd gone to university. And he rang me up and said, how do you fancy coming and doing a year out with us? So, okay, I was also talking to my church at university about doing a year out, so I wasn't entirely sure. So I said, okay, let me have a think about it. And I prayed, I said to God, okay, what I need for this next bit of my life is I need somewhere to live. That would be a good start. Um, I would like something that's going to give me some money, actually, to live on. And also, I want it to have value. I want to be learning something or developing a skill or you know, have some kind of value to it. And then about a week later, um, Andy rang me back up again. And he said, oh, I'm really sorry, Afi. And I was like, oh, dear. OK, that makes my decision for me. He said, actually, it's all changed. We've been talking to a um, a church and what they would like is they'd like somebody to come and be their church youth worker. Um, It means they provide you with somewhere to live and you'd have a little bit of money, you know, not much, but a little bit of money to keep you going. And also as part of that, you would train in a a degree and a qualification in youth work. And I was a bit like, oh, (laughs) gay. Not only is that quite a specific answer to the prayer that I'd prayed, but it was the first time that I really felt, okay, God has some plans for my life. He's given me a a brain and I can make decisions, but he has a plan for my life and he has things that he wants me to do. And for me, that was the start of a journey of youth work, which I then went on to do as a career and still involved in now. Um, So it was a real kind of start of a journey and start of a path and just learning that God had plans for me. 
So I was a Christian because God was real and I'd met him. He knew me, he loved me, and he had plans for my life. And just a, a kind of a moment to pause. If being a surprise or being a mistake was something that was been spoken over your life in jest or in seriousness, then God wants you to know that you were never a surprise to him. You were planned, you were wanted. He has plans for you. And if that's something that resonates with you, then we would love to pray with you this morning, to stand with you and just help pray that into your life, that you were planned, you were chosen by God. He knew you were coming and he has plans for your life. Now, when I heard, when I thought of God has plans for my life, I thought of Jeremiah 29, 11, um, you know, I have plans for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, to give you a future and a hope. And of course that is true. But it's also true that following Jesus isn't always easy. It isn't always plain sailing. We only have to look at the disciples to see that's the case. Stonings and beheadings and being crucified upside down and several other things kind of going on. It should have given me a hint that being a Christian wasn't going to be plain sailing. It wasn't going to make me immune to things going wrong in my life. And actually... I think I would have said to you, if you'd asked me, I would have said that. I would have said, yeah, 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 no, you know, being Christian doesn't make you immune. You know, it, stuff still happens to us like anybody else. But I think kind of in my gut, I kind of thought, yeah, but me and God, we're kind of buds. He's my mate. He's got my back. So yeah, 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 I'm not immune. Yeah. But, you know, I, I know the, the rule of the universe, so I'm probably covered. I'm probably all right. See, I knew it wasn't going to be easy, but I suppose at that point in my life, I, I had no idea how hard it could be to follow Jesus. I think that's the problem when we're expecting it to be plain sailing. It can be a real big shock when it isn't. It can shake our very foundations. And I'm not going to go into all the ups and downs of my life because we'll be here for a long time and you'll have roast dinners to get to. Um, but I do want to tell you about a bit of a significant shaking in my life that happened. It was uh, a few years ago. I was approached and offered a job. Um, it was um, in Christian work. It was a job that meant I felt like I had a direction. I felt like I had a calling. I felt like I had a destination. Um, I felt like God was saying, yes, this is the right thing. It meant a leap of faith. It meant a leap of finances. But if God said, this is the way to go, then that was the way to go. So I accepted. And actually, I was quite good at what I did. Um, I was there for about a year, and things were going really well. It had its challenges, but we were seeing lives change. We were seeing people impacted. We were seeing uh, things move. And then the bottom fell out of my world. I was accused of doing something that I didn't do and could cost me my job. So I clung to God because he knew, out of everybody, he knew, that, he knew that I hadn't done anything wrong. He knew what had happened and what hadn't. I went through my Bible and I underlined every Bible verse I could find about God being a God of justice, about God being on the side of the oppressed, about God coming through and righting wrongs and rescuing me and, and not letting me fail. Surely, I thought, at some point, this is all going to just 
come out. <laughs> you know, it's going to be like, oh, we made a mistake, sorry, <laughs> it's all over. And as time passed, I thought, okay, God's taking his time. <laughs> Maybe he's going to do like a Daniel in the lion's den thing. It's going to like right up to the last minute. Like I'm going to be there, there's going to be a lion, and God's going to go, da-da, it's okay, I'm here, save the day. It never occurred to me that maybe God wasn't going to rescue me in the way that I had wanted. So it was a massive, massive shock to me, whether rather than being exonerated, I actually lost my job. I lost my reputation, my community. As a result, I lost my ministry. I lost my church of 10 years. And I was barely holding on to my sanity. I have given you a very brief overview of what was nearly a year of my life. Even after I'd left, I continued to have difficulties. I had to involve the police at one point. Um, when I was feeling better, I tried to resolve things with my previous employer um, and didn't get anywhere. My heart was utterly broken because I had been so sure this was what God had called me to. And it was all messed up. And I had been so sure that he was going to rescue me, that he was going to sort this out because I was innocent. But then rather than clinging to God, I was furious with him. I was so, so angry. Why hadn't he done something? Where was he? Why did he let this happen? How could he let these people believe these things about me? And to be honest, at that point in my life, I wanted more than anything for faith not to be true, for God to not exist, because it would have been easier for me to have been, you know, let down by a God that didn't exist than to try and work out what on earth had happened, what on earth had gone wrong. So then my, my foundation of my faith became my problem. God was real. I knew that. I knew that I knew that. So whether I was in church or not, whether I was talking to him or not, God was real. Whether or not I ran away and joined the circus, God was still real. I wasn't so clear about the rest of it. I wasn't so clear about how he still loved me and how he still had plans for my life. But I knew that I knew that he was real. I couldn't deny what I knew and I was stuck. I wrote this in my prayer diary. I said, look at what has happened. My life has fallen apart and I have nowhere to go. The world has nothing for me, but I don't think I know you anymore and I don't know where to go and I don't know what to do. For me, this really echoed the part of the psalm that we read in verse 7 where it says, where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me and the light become night around me. Even the darkness will not be dark to you. The night will shine like the day. For darkness is as light to you. 
See, I knew there was nothing in the world that was going to replace God. There was nothing that was going to bring life in the way that Jesus brought life. But actually, I wasn't so keen on God right then. (laughs) I literally had nowhere else to go. So genuinely, for a long time, I was a Christian because I had nowhere else to go. (laughs) I knew God was real. I had no other options. So a little bit like a sulking child, (laughs) I folded my arms, I sat on the floor, and I I literally said to God, I'm going to come to church every week because that's what I can do. I can come here and I can sit. But you have to do the rest. I cannot do anything else. I will turn up and I will sit, but you have to meet me there. And so I did. I came and I uh, cried. And not like pretty crying like you see in the movies, like like snotty, full-on, ugly crying. Um, And I cried and I cried and I cried. And in fact, I owe St. Saviour's several of these. Have this as my love. Um, But I was here. God was real. I had nowhere else to go. And so I was here waiting for my world to turn kind of right side up again. As you might imagine, I spent a long time discussing with God, not always politely, uh, what had happened, pouring out my heart to him. And um, there was a specific time that I remember writing in my diary, and it was something along the lines of, you don't get it, God. You don't get how this feels. People I trusted have betrayed me. People I trusted have abandoned me. They have said things about me that are just not true. This is so unfair, it burns. I've been publicly shamed and humiliated, hung out to dry for all to see. I have lost everything, and now I feel like you've abandoned me too. You don't get it, God. You don't get it. And then just as I wrote those last words in my diary, I felt I heard Jesus whisper in my ear, And he said, I understand, Afi. I understand what it feels like to be alone, to be humiliated, to be hurt. I know the sting of injustice. You are not alone, Afi. I get it. I get it. I don't know if you've ever felt the power of someone saying, me too, about something in your life. The relief it is just to know that somebody gets it. Let alone for that person to be Jesus. It didn't and hasn't healed every wound that I found from that time. But I knew I wasn't alone anymore. I knew that God wasn't indifferent. He hadn't abandoned me. He was involved in my pain. He was involved with me. At the time, I was so overwhelmed and angry with God that I couldn't see what he was doing. How he did rescue me, just not the way I would have liked. How he did provide for me, how he did bless me. I found a church where I already knew people. Where people knew me and loved me and believed me before I even had to say a word. Where I could turn up and be a really snotty, ugly mess and that was okay. Okay. 
I found a family here at St Saviour's who were very welcoming and very loving. I found wonderful people that knew the power of just saying nothing when there are no answers, who didn't tell me everything happens for a reason, even if they believed it, who said to me, it's okay to feel how you're feeling, Afi. It's okay. We have faith for you if you don't have any faith right now. I still don't get it. And you know what? Since that time, there have been other things that have happened that I don't get. I don't know why, and I don't know if there even is a why of it happening. But I do know that whatever happens in this crazy world, that I'm not alone. That Jesus gets it. That Jesus understands. That he is with me. And for now, that's enough for me to be getting on with. So what I wanted to say this morning is that following Jesus isn't always easy. We don't need to be miserable about it, but let's not be surprised by it either. I'm a Christian because God is real. Because he knows me and he loves me. He has plans for my life. I have nowhere else to go. And Jesus gets it.